Hello and welcome to this Kanban Professional Learning Podcast, aiming to present the essential ideas in initial teacher education in manageable chunks. So welcome and welcome back if you tuned in previously. Either way, great to have you with us. This pod is the first in a short series starting to explain the process and theory behind professional reflection. There'll be several episodes looking at specific models or structures, and these will be explained by some of the core team who deliver the professional development sessions covering these models. So let's get the health warning out of the way first off. This is never going to be a substitute for reading up on the ideas presented here or engaging in a professional learning discussion or learning experience, but it should give you the absolute bare bones of the thing so you have a foundation and know where to go next. There'll also be some recommended reading at the end if you want to follow up on any of the ideas mentioned here. This episode is really a broad introduction to what we mean by reflection, where evaluation comes in, and how we can develop professional reflection in our associate or student teachers. So let's get a few introductions out of the way. If you didn't know, Kaban Bangor is the teacher training partnership based in North Wales, comprising Bangor University, the Collaborative Institute for Education Research Evidence and Impact, Kiri, GWARE, the North Wales School Improvement Service, and North Wales Regional Consortia, and our lead and network schools are associated across the region. And I'm Graham, hosting this pod. I work at the School of Educational Sciences at Bangor University and work across teacher education programmes Cabin offers. I have a background teaching outdoors involving science, physical education and adventure education, but I'm also keen to explore how technology can support all levels of learning, hence producing these pods. So first of all, Let's start by considering what we mean by reflection and its companion evaluation. Many people have discussed reflection and what it means in a teaching context, but generally what we mean is looking back at something that happened and examining what happened. When we bring in the term critical, we start to consider some of the why behind the what in terms of happening. And then once we start to make judgments in terms of effectiveness or against any criteria, the process becomes evaluation. Now, there are those who suggest that reflection on action, this process, is only part of the process, and that reflection in action is also a very useful and constructive process. These statements stem from Sean's work from the early 80s, and these have been developed and expanded upon by subsequent authors. More on that later. So why is reflection important? Well, this really comes back to a constructivist way of thinking, where knowledge is believed to be constructed by interpretation of direct experiences. And one of the foundational ideas here comes from John Dewey, who is seen as a sort of instigator of this way of thinking. Out of interest, an opposing view suggests that knowledge is absolute and available to be gained in a similar way by everyone. But that's ontology and epistemology and a whole other podcast or two. What Dewey said was that our brains construct knowledge through interpreting what we've experienced. Reflection on action helps us relive and revisit that experience, and the critical analysis of that then helps us understand and build knowledge as to why those things we experienced happened and what they mean for the future. Vygotsky also had something to say on this, in that he believed that knowledge construction also required some sort of discourse or combination, because converting thoughts, emotions and experiences into language and discussing them played another important part of learning about what happened. Because this is most often done with at least one other person in a conversation, we call it the social construction of knowledge. Other authors who had views on language and discourse and what it meant for knowledge include some of the more well-known postmodern theorists, such as Michel Foucault and his contemporary Jacques Derrida. 
slightly less well-known, but a man who took these ideas on language and knowledge even further was Basil Bernstein. But again, these three could have a whole series of podcasts themselves. Maybe we'll consider that in the future. So what about reflection in action? This was something that Sean raised in the context of professional learning in the 1980s and accounts for the capacity of our brains to be aware of what they are doing. In other words, being aware that they are aware of reflecting while still doing the thing they're reflecting on. This is also important because it allows us to adapt and adjust what we do in the moment to directly influence the outcome. Whereas reflection on action tends to be more useful to develop us in our thinking for the next time, reflection in action works to affect the here and now. However, it is a different process, not least in that there is no time for retrieval and critical consideration and decisions based on that process. It is more reactive and connects more directly to experiences and also our previous reflection on action. A reflective practitioner, a term also from Sean, is someone who is able to deploy both these aspects of reflection together in a mutually edifying manner so that they can be reflective in the moment and directly affect the outcomes, hopefully for the positive, and also reflect on the actions they took to improve them next time as well. Finally, what about evaluation? Well, this is really the same process as reflection on action, but using a framework or perhaps even some criteria to gauge or judge the effectiveness, or not, of what happened and your role in it. As teachers, one key factor in effective critical evaluation is to have clear success criteria linked to our intended learning outcomes or learning intentions, so that we can use evidence gathered in our teaching, perhaps through assessment for learning tasks or questioning, to decide whether or not they were met. Most of the time, learning objectives aren't binary yes or no type answers, not least in that you may need to evaluate the learning of individuals or groups of learners at the same time. Clearly, not everyone learns in the same way or at the same rate, so an evaluation of learning relying on binary success criteria is less likely to be accurate or helpful. Success criteria that have, been, have some element of differentiation in them allow learning objectives that are challenging for all learners to be set and all learners to access them at different levels. This helps when the children are of mixed ability and or age in the sessions that we teach. This often precludes learning objectives that are task focused, which is also thought to be helpful for authors such as Shirley Clark, who have identified a decontextualization of skills to be learned as something helpful in both teaching and evaluating learning after a session. Associate or student teachers initially tend to use binary type learning objectives because they often focus on the task. But quite soon they realise that this makes really evaluating the effectiveness of their teaching difficult to move beyond that yes it worked or no it didn't work type evaluative statements. The skills they develop over time and we develop as teachers are a way of planning lessons focused on the children's learning needs rather than the task or knowledge they set to be taught. Whilst in some cases, like with an exam syllabus, this is hard to manage, in other areas of curriculum, this is where the Curriculum for Wales 2022 offers a much greater freedom for teachers to meet learners' needs rather than prescribed, predetermined curriculum attainment points. Ultimately, well-planned lessons that have a high probability of being effective have clear learning objectives with differentiation and success criteria, with assessment for learning tasks or activities that will allow the teacher to gain suitable evidence to evaluate exactly who learned what in order to ensure that next time they develop each child at the right pace and level. If you'd like to know more about this topic, then there are some helpful books that you may want to check out. Probably the obvious one is The Reflective Practitioner by Donna Shawn. I think it was published in 1984. You may also find that the OU course linked in the podcast description gives you a summary of other models of reflection useful in education. 
If you've liked this pod, then consider leaving a review or a star rating wherever you get podcasts and make sure you subscribe so you don't miss an episode. See you next time. Mm-hmm.